0: Coming to you live from Indianapolis, Indiana, the FDIC, it's Critical Conversations. And we're really excited tonight. Uh, this is something we've been wanting to do. We actually talked about this last year at this time, um, with the leadership from the Firefighter Uh Cancer Support Network, uh, that we would like to have someone come on and uh talk to us. And I because I don't think everybody understands how nimble and how much that this group does and this is live this is live tv here so uh someone is being rescued as we speak in the indianapolis from the fire from by the indianapolis fire department um so we wanted to um we wanted to talk to uh some folks from the network uh these folks do a tremendous amount of stuff uh and, and this is close to my heart, because three of my best friends all took advantage of this network uh, at, the, at one of the worst times in their lives. And, and, it, and, and not only were they taken care of, but they were taken care of. Um, many of you know, uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll just say, I won't say their names, but well, one of my friends uh, had a prostate cancer. He went through that he's doing okay Uh, another uh uh friend of mine had a double mastectomy this is a male double mastectomy and because he wasn't happy and some of the guidance he got about uh, a questionable uh, questionable lymph node he ended up having 16 lymph nodes taken out uh unfortunately uh that really took a toll on him physically and he eventually had to he eventually ended up retiring and then a, a mutual friend of ours, um, he uh, came down with the prostate cancer. And this was the amazing part because a, a bunch of us said, you got to talk to these guys, you got to talk to these guys right away. So he called the, the general number and within two hours or less than two hours, not only did he have someone from the network contact him, he had someone from the network contact him that had the exact or as close as possible same type of prostate cancer. That blows my mind as far as depth of bench for this group. Um, the, a majority of the stuff that we posted at the firehouse, we got for free from these guys, from the New York Chief show. You know, no, no gear beyond this point, all the big posters, all the posters about check-in, all those other things. We changed our physicals and added some additional testing based on the recommendations. We changed how we operated at Fires for decontamination because of these guys. And these guys turned us on to the suppliers. The various suppliers for the wipes and, and we. Tremendous prices and we, we, we. Saturated the department vehicles with these wipes so that it doesn't have to be a building fire. We'll talk more about that. So with me today is Joe Schumacher. Uh, He is the secretary. We do apologize. The uh, executive director was supposed to be on with us. But unfortunately, he got uh, he had to go go back uh, to his home state of Tennessee uh, unexpectedly. So Joe has been kind enough to jump into <laughs> jump into the lion's pit here. Uh, Joe is, the, as I said, the secretary. He's a 30-year veteran of the Fairfax City, Virginia Fire Department, um, and I'll let I'm going to let him uh, tell you a little bit about well, how he got into this system in and, 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 and why he does what he does. So uh, oh one last thing before I forgot I'm supposed to do this first and I never remember. <laughs> so everyone's muted and that's not because we don't want to hear from you, but we come sometimes we accidentally hear from you and we don't want to hear those noises. All right so uh, when you come on, uh, that's the time to turn your camera on or not if you don't want to, but we ask you to, to leave those things off. Until you're ready to talk, that's from previous history. So again, Joe, uh,
1: how did you get into this? Uh, I don't want to say this business. How did you get into this uh, this network? Uh, so first, Nick, thanks. Uh, thanks very much for having me today, and, and thank you for the kind words about the Kansas Support Network. We uh, we're honored to be able to help the brothers and sisters in the fire service, um, usually in their worst worst you know their worst moment, their time of need. Um, so I got to the fire service in, I mean, into the network in 2013, uh, I, that was just, unfortunately it was after my second battle with, uh, with cancer. And a friend of mine at the department mentioned this organization and, uh, you know, said it might be something that I'd be interested in. So I started out, uh, as a member. And uh, I think about a year later, became the state director in Virginia. And then, uh, about a year or two after that, I uh, was asked to join the board of directors for the for the network. So right now I'm the secretary slash chief operating officer. Oh, I, I missed that part and, oh, you're, okay.
0: and you're a multi-time survivor.
1: I am. Um, I was diagnosed when I was 29 years old for the first time in uh, with testicular cancer. Um, very fortunate. It, it was, it was early, did some surgery and uh, a little bit of radiation. And then I was good for 17 years. Uh, and really kind of because of my first battle, uh, my, my oncologist had told me, uh, you've earned the right to be paranoid about your health. He said, and, you know, based on what you do, you, you need to really pay attention to your health. So he said, if something seems out of the ordinary, go get it checked out. You know, all it's going to cost you is your copay. So I fortunately took that, uh, took that advice. And, um, in 2017, uh, excuse me, 2013, I noticed a lump in my groin, very small, uh, but it didn't go away. So I went to my primary care physician and, uh, he initially just thought it was an infection and put me on some antibiotics and, uh, you know, said, come back and see me in 10 days if it's not gone. And it wasn't. So we did a where uh, they did a needle biopsy. And it came back as not Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a blood cancer. Uh, so one of my questions to my oncologist was, hey, could, could this be related to my earlier battle with testicular cancer? And he said, absolutely not. Um, he said, First of all, you know, testicular cancer is a solid tumor cancer, whereas non hodgkins lymphoma is a blood cancer. So they're completely different. And he said the time time in between the two is just too great, you know, for there to really be a, a link from one to the other. So I, uh, I, was, I had some surgery and again, a little bit of radiation, caught it early, thank goodness. Um, and then probably about a month ago, uh, I was just diagnosed with prostate cancer. So we're in the in the process of dealing with that. But again, it, it, it's it's a positive outlook. So doing well.
0: So two key two, two key things I want to really uh jump on there. And the 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 first one is something that's very important that we talked about in the in the pre-broadcast that if if something doesn't feel right wherever it is, if it doesn't feel right, you need to. Like you said, it's, it's just $25 or $50 or whatever the copay is. And, and I know, uh, again, from the, the other folks that I talked about earlier, they are hypersensitive yeah. about anything. Matter of fact, um, uh, one of those folks, the COVID was not a good thing for him because it really ended up secluding him because of the side effects and the long term the possibilities. So he really he really had a tough battle in that. Um, because again, not only do, did he have to worry about the regular COVID, whatever lack of a better term, but, but could, could something else be exacerbated and then and then come back. And then the second thing, and, and I shared a, a family story, It's all that that personality that, you know, being a fighter is huge. I don't think people give it as much um, credit as it deserves. Um, But in my life, next to prayer, that would be, you know, the 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 biggest, biggest thing we need to carry the sword for is to take that battle on.
1: Yep, I agree as we talked a lot of, a little bit is in my opinion having a positive outlook uh when you're battling cancer is is half the battle um you know you you have to have the the thought process that you are going to beat it you know uh and and the other thing that you you mentioned was the impact covid had on us uh, and and that's as the nation in general but i i can tell you when covid started um one of the people who's an advisor to us in the network, she works uh, for a a cancer treatment facility. And she told us when it started, she said, what you're going to see is a decline of people being diagnosed with cancer uh, while this pandemic goes on. And she said, and then what you're going to see is when it's, when the pandemic is start to settle down and we're getting back to a little bit of normalcy, um we're going to start to see a, an increase uh in the number of people that are being diagnosed with cancer because during the pandemic they weren't going and getting their screenings and if something didn't feel right they avoided going to the doctor then so unfortunately or there
0: was, or yeah, there was no slots
1: right um and, and unfortunately i can tell you what we're seeing in the network is bearing out what she said um, our numbers are up as far as the number of people that are reaching out to us that have been diagnosed
0: See, and, and there, I remember seeing numerous stories where they took, because it's kind of the acute care, right? It's kind of right. the same concept, right? And it's isolation. It's all that kind of stuff, because traditionally, unfortunately, we have to really make people sick to make them better. And we lower their their uh, ability to fight off other other bugs right. as part of that thing. So that this, those same spaces... That were used for the for the chemo and for the uh, acute care and and uh bone marrow transplants and all that that were perfect right they, were, they already had the double uh, airlock and all that they were perfect for covid so there were people who were actually not getting their six months and they weren't getting there yearly and they're not they, there was no opportunity for them right. to do that right because th- those nurses were doing covid or that space was taken. And there was also that fear obviously that the, if you got this tremendously high covid occupancy in the hospital, the last place you want to send a potential cancer patient is in that exposure. So it's like a it's it's like a bad it's like a bad cyclone.
1: It it absolutely is and and something that everybody in the fire service needs to understand is that because because you are in the fire service and you've chosen to pursue this uh either as a career or volunteer firefighter, it doesn't matter, that your chances are 9% greater than the general population to get cancer. And unfortunately, if you do contract cancer, your chances of passing from it are 14% higher than the general population because of the things that we're exposed to. So it's, it's really kind of scary. I have to watch out. I added an extra zero
0: (laughs) every (laughs) every time I tell everybody, I tell them it's 60% higher, but it's it's nuts. And the other thing, you just never know. I mean, that's, if there's one thing that we have learned from COVID is nothing's positive. Nothing, I shouldn't say that. Nothing is guaranteed. No, wearing an N95 is not a guarantee. Uh, particularly in the early days, you know, wearing a, a bandana over your nose is not a guarantee. All, all that other stuff, but it all reverts back to, again, similar treatment where it's that hardcore isolation, pressurized, all those kind of things. Uh, but, but as in your case and in many cases, you know, it, it just, it, it's not the same one. It's not a reoccurrence. Right. It's completely different.
1: Right. We, we, as the fire service have to get out of the mindset that it will never happen to me because it will.
0: What, so the fellow I told you about that had the mass, double mm-hmm. mastectomy, he's a pretty analytical guy. Yeah. So he went back and he had the, he had the gene test. He had every test presumptive test that you could get to take a look at where this come from. It didn't come from his family. It didn't yeah. come from where he came from. It came, it, it, you know, ninety-nine percent chances it came from where it worked. Sure. Again, back right. in the day, you didn't put a mask on until you could, until it was either too hot to breathe, or you were starting to really start coughing a lot, and you needed to clear your head because you're getting a little dizzy. Right. Right. Or, or you didn't, you didn't wear a mask at a car fire. N- never. You know, never. Yeah. And and there's nothing worse than a car fire. You know what I mean? As far as.
1: And, and I think. You know, another thing that, um, we've gotten over the course of the years, we got a false sense of security, I think, because of air monitoring on fire scenes, um, and, and the problem with that is what we're monitoring for doesn't have any direct correlation with cancer. Um, the, the number of chemicals that we're exposed to in a, just a normal house fire, if you will is mind blowing, you know. So we're getting closer with we're getting closer with the cyanide because
0: you can get a direct reading uh meter for cyanide. Right. The problem is you can't get a direct meter for the zines. Right. They don't they don't make a vazine they don't make a all these zines, they don't make a direct reader. Now you can get a color metric true with color metric tube, right? Which doesn't like particulates and is only 60% effective anyway. Right. To give you some idea in there, but no one it's all we can do to keep the carbon monoxide and the, and the other fire gases by using a four gas meter and to get those and to keep everybody to keep their mask on until you, everything is cold and wet. Exactly. And, and we we can't get people to do that. It, it, I'm an incident safety officer, so this is I am the that guy. I won't say what kind of guy I am, but that's <laughs> the guy who's, who's gonna call up here and say, uh, you got a meter up there? No, all right, come to the door, because you're about to, right? And put everybody back on a mask until we, we get it. And again, I know that that's 50%, right? I'm trying to keep the carbon yeah. out of them, you know, and give them better oxygenation, but it's not doing anything. Sure. And we actually have, a, a, We're very. I'm very lucky, our, our department, doesn't have a lot of money, but when they spend money, they spend it very wisely. So we do have uh, attached to the foregases a cyanide direct reading. So that that kit goes up into that space. Um, and if you remember, Providence had a terrible. Uh, uh, luckily, uh, well, they, they, it didn't go great, but they had a significant experience of in Providence because of cyanide, right? right. Um, that that uh, caught them off guard, but. I mean, we had we had the guys on from uh, Firehouse Part of Our Coffee, and and Jason came out right out of the box and it says, "If you're not washing your gear, you're stupid. If you're not getting every test you can get and get everything, uh, you know everything checked and everything tested," and he he went on to do some other man- medical terms that I I can't remember right now. He says, "You're you're not doing the best for you and you're not doing the best for your people." I mean right. that's what we what we did is we said we we started with you know some of the heptivax and traditional things and we said listen tell us what else we got to do tell us if there's some you know unless it's a billion dollars for the test tell us what test we can get that will help us to determine if there's some risk coming over the hill because we don't want we had we had one of our guys lose his wife to leukemia it was very painful and hurt the
1: department tremendously
0: tremendously uh, we're not doing that we're not doing that if we can do anything about it
1: i tell you um well, one of the first things that i ask when i'm teaching our awareness and prevention class um, i i ask the students that are in the class what's it worth to you because that's what you have to think about because do you want to one day be able to walk your daughter down the aisle or do you want to one day be able to enjoy retirement Uh, You know, do you wanna be able to see your grandkids? And these are all questions you have to ask yourself because no matter what people think, cancer doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care if you are a large person or a small person, um, if you work out, you know, five days a week or one day a week, it can still get you. Um, And there are so many modifiable risks that we as firefighters can take to reduce our chances of getting cancer. You know, getting enough sleep, Um, you know, change your diet to put more green leafy things into it, more vegetables. Um, And I know that that makes people cringe, you know, and they're like, well, I I don't want to eat that all the time. I don't think anybody's telling you to eat that all the time. You know, it's okay to have a pizza every once in a while, but don't eat the whole pizza, you know? But I'll tell you what, if you're on week, if you're on, you know, if
0: you just got done with 12 weeks of chemo, and they put that green juice in front of you you'll drink it right because you're motivated
1: yes absolutely you um, you
0: drink you'll drink whatever they tell you you'll do literally whatever they tell you to do because you know that that they know what they're doing and maybe they're taking they're just going for it and trying something but that's better than the potential outcome
1: Right. I I can promise anybody out there who has any doubts, you would rather wear your air pack with the mask on and regulator attached through the end of overhaul than you would to get radiation. And from what I've heard, because I and to get chemo, uh, there is no comparison, the inconvenience that you're going to have by wearing that air pack for that extra 30, maybe 45 minutes, whatever it is, is well worth not having to go through that. And these kids,
0: I, these guys are Iron Men. I mean, these, yeah. these guys are, are both, I mean, they're working out, they're, they're, they're physically fit machines. They, they are true firefighter athletes. I love that. I love that term because you, if you're old and roly poly like me, going from zero to 60, it takes a long time. It does. Getting up to go to, listen, I'm not, the, let's just say it this way. I'm not the first one at the firehouse and i don't live that far away <laughs> right because i got to get the knees working the back work and all the rest of that stuff these guys are machines and they're and and you know the same guys that'll squat some ridiculous amount because they want to be ready and protect their cardiovascular i love that idea protect the respiratory i love that idea yeah. but when we come to after the after the fire's out we don't Use the same thought process to protect our lungs then, or protect our cardiovascular system then. You know, right. let's let's take the cancer away from it. Let's just talk cardiovascular, right? Yeah. All the all the crap that they're inhaling without a mask on. And and I worked, so I actually got we, uh, when I worked for the fire academy, they sent us to the, our state police, because our state police uh, was the uh, fire investigation unit. And, uh, they had never had, uh, or they hadn't had a documented, let me put it that way, a documented respiratory safety program training. Yeah. So they had us go there. So we, we, we're opening icebreaking. We said, why do you think we're here? And, and this guy says, so I'll stop having spontaneous nosebleeds. (laughs) And my head snapped. I said, what? He says, I wanna stop having spontaneous nosebleeds. I get home, I get in the shower and I start bleeding on my nose. And then three other guys go, oh yeah, that's, it's messy, it's terrible. And I thought they were, I thought they were fooling around. They weren't. Wow. They were straight up. And then in that unit, in that unit, several members, several members have had several battles with cancer and we've lost some, we lost some great people. Matter of fact, one of the one of the guys that was just the nicest guy in the world, uh, he ran it, sergeant that ran it, one of his proudest days was he showed me the new truck, the new response vehicle. And one of the things that they were so proud about is that instead of having all the gear, all the turnout gear and all the all the jumpsuits in behind them sitting on the chair, they were all in an isolated cabinet in the back, in the back, in the because it yeah. was an F. 250 four door sure all the gear was in the way back
1: and he was so proud of that he says
0: i'm not going to have my guys get cancer anymore and 6 months later he was gone and
1: it, yeah and that, and we love to see that you know because it, it's it's um reaffirming to us that that people are starting to listen um, and the fire service is making changes but it, it as they say you know Change takes time. And and I, I think the they usually quote it takes 10 years to change a culture. Um well I, I think the fire service is a little slow because we've been going at this for well <laughs> over over ten years. I have uh, a little trouble with change. Yeah. I don't know. You know, yeah, it, I heard. I heard there right. may be some trouble changing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you know, I, I don't say that uh, I guess to be negative. It, it, it's just a fact the way the way it is right now. But the positive, like I said, is things are changing. Um, and, and people have to remember, you know, if, if you make the effort to change one thing, whether that's cleaning your gear or making sure that you shower, you know, immediately after a fire or, or whatever the change is, um, you're reducing your chance of getting cancer, you know? And, and we can't stress enough how important that is. Um, it's just the, the impact that it has on you. The impact that it has on your family you know we, we all and i think a lot of people think about well, how, what's going to happen if i get cancer and it, it's typically they they're, it. they're thinking about the impact on them but yeah, it's, you it's know, it, how it it, it, no it doesn't only affect you it affects your family it, it affects your department your shift your crew you know so people need you to know think it's, it's
0: I, I, I i this is going to come out wrong it's not meant to come out. It's not. It's gonna. It's not. I'm, not what I'm trying to say, but I, I'm going to use the example. When you have someone who visits the firehouse, and they have a better shade of gray than they did two weeks ago, and you're excited, right? You're excited for them because they haven't looked pink in a long time, right? And and their body is just. Battling, battling. Let me talk about a a, a couple of things that I, it kind of goes to the strategies. So last uh, again a couple of months ago, we had um, the guys from Fire Department Coffee on, and um, one of the fellas is up by Phoenix, mm-hmm. and so in the Valley, very strong, very strong procedures and policies. There is actually uh, a, a, a safety sector specific. To decontamination for the firefighters, Um, and so we talked a little bit about that. Leaving the stuff on the front lawn, don't bring it home. All those good things. One of the interesting things uh, that he said was, "In you know, we're struggling. I think as an organization, as a culture, to get a shower, a good hard uh, shower in, to and really, really scrub. You want to clean up, but." People want to kind of get cleaned up, but they're not like really working. In his department, you take a shower, you get dried off, you go back in, and you take another shower. Okay. Uh, because what they found was this the same thing. If they got sweaty within the next twenty four hours, they were they were they wake up the next morning and they'd be like washing their face in the and the towel would be all black again. right? And so they were doing too. The other thing we heard of, and and he was saying they were getting ready to do this, they were getting ready to put in saunas. We had heard that here in Indianapolis, there are some, some stations where they have not only a sauna for you to sweat in, but they have stationary bikes. Okay. And they want you to go into the sauna, get on the stationary bike, they crank the heat up, they get you to they want you to sweat and they they actually have to use hazmat pads underneath the bikes yeah because of the goo <laughs> and all the stuff that's coming out and then they go and they go and take their shower and even after that after their shower there's still stuff coming out of their pores
1: right right and and, and i think unfortunately that's um just a a, a part of what happens with us because of what we do you know it that's going to happen you know there's <laughs> there's been question well do i take a cold shower or do i take a hot shower um you know some people say you take a hot shower because it opens your pores and things come out but do we know that for sure and i, I don't know that the science has proved that this, that everything comes out because they can make the argument too that by opening your pores you're allowing stuff to get get in more um, maybe we start with a cold and then go with a hot, right? You know, and, and get the big chunks off. Yeah. In, in the at the cancer support network, what we, what we stress to everybody is the most important thing is that you take a shower, <laughs> you know, we see that's we honestly don't That's the problem. The cold. We'll cold. argue
0: for days about whether it's a hot shower or a cold right. shower. And the end result is we won't take the shower.
1: Yeah. Take just, you don't a want shower. to be wrong. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> It, it, it's it's amazing. God, I love this business, <laughs> right? So the more change, we'll the more.
0: Into we had we got into an argument about. Well, I won't say an argument. We had a discussion at a meeting. I said, "You come to the city, we're gonna hose you off. Right. It's get tell you guys to get ready. They're gonna get wet. We're gonna hose them off, and we got an immediate reaction. You're not touching my guys. <laughs> we don't want the water pushing the debris into their into their skin, right. we want to use the wipe on our face. Okay, uh, I, I, if you want to do that before we wash your skin, go through an extra couple of wipes. That's, I'm fine with that. But you're going to get, we want you to leave our crap in our yard. Yeah, and we don't want to send you home dirty, so you can get the truck dirty, get your boot, you know, get the hall dirty, get all that other stuff. We're going to hose you off. Right, and we want you to actually take your gear off and and. But if you haven't been able to bring extra stuff and all that, so then we got off sure. on this other thing,
1: you know? Yeah, that,
0: that we can get crazy on.
1: Yep. Uh, it's uh, I believe, um, I think it was Gavin Horn. I don't quote me on that. But I think it uh, Illinois Fire Service Institute that they did a study. And if I remember correctly, it showed that uh, just by using a brush, only a brush to get all the heavy stuff off of your gear when you come out of the out of a fire that that will, that will reduce the surface contaminants on your gear by about 23%. Now, if you add soap and water, that takes it up to about 85%. And what people need to be be really clear on is we're not saying that reduces your exposure by 23% or 85%, but it, it reduces what's on there that can get into your gear and, and be absorbed then into you by that much. You know, so it is, as we said, j- If you just implement that on the fire scene, then you're reducing your chances. You know, we're not naive enough to think that we're ever going to eliminate cancer in the fire service, because I I think it's just the nature of what we do. We're going to be exposed to carcinogens. It's, you know, something that a risk that we know we're taking, but just because we accept that risk doesn't mean we shouldn't take proactive steps to reduce it. Um, And and the simple things that you can do, like, you know, personal decon on the scenes, um, like you said, wiping your face, that kind of stuff goes a long way towards hopefully preventing you from ever having to get, you know, ever getting cancer and dealing with that. I got to tell you, that doctor from Illinois is is a wizard. (laughs) Uh, and,
0: And, but at the same time, without using really scientific words, she scared the crap out of me a few years ago. Sure. I was watching one of her, one of the podcasts and at the more she talked, the more I got motivated to, to take a a deeper look at this. The the, the other thing that I, that I talk about, and then it was in one of the classes and I can't remember which one is that down in one of the, I call them the Prince counties, the Prince George or Prince, whatever, somewhere's down there, they took a recruit group. They took blood and urine samples. Mm-hmm. Then they, they allowed them to get perfectly dressed. They have, there was no hurrying, no speed, everything covered. They ran them through, I think, three, what we would call a class A fire, even though most of the class A's are class B's when they melt, but through regular f- furniture fires. They then went back and did uh, urine and blood. And they found solids yeah. in the blood Yep. It, and the, and the thought good, you're, you're making me feel good. Cause I, I was scary that I was actually misleading people, <laughs> but they found the, the explanation they gave on the cast was here, here, right. And yep. all down here and other soft squishy parts. Sure. So vascular that that would actually open up the gland, everything opens up. And it's like taking a bath. It's like being thrown with your gear into a pool. There are no dry spots. Right. Same concept. There are no safe spots. So these open, these open, you know, pores. And then when you cool off, the pores close. Now we have this particulate on the inside unable to get out. And again, that, right. that goes back to your hot biking or cold, uh, hot so- or hot shower or cold shower. Yeah. But, but this stuff's in their system and, and where's it going to go? Where does all the blood go? It's going to go to your kidneys, right? It's going to go to your liver and then brain and just make the rest of the trip. Yeah. You no, know, because that's what the liver and the kidneys do. That's what they do for a living. Yep. right. they, they filter, so, <laughs> right? So they're just catchment. They're just big catchments to yep. start with. And then again, the, these, this stuff can be making stops anywhere and settling they've had some pretty bizarre tumors and places that don't normally get tumors Mm -hmm. Uh, and again the same again during some of these studies there's there's tumors that don't belong where they are right they're 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 not that kind of tumor in other words they're and it but but at the same time it hasn't been somewhere else many times when they find a tumor that doesn't belong in the neighborhood they'll go look in that neighborhood to see if there's something there, right. To see if it mass, mass. Yeah. Moved. Yep.
1: Metastasize. Yep.
0: Thank you. We used to just call it meds. I don't know why we call it, <laughs> but anyway, and, and they would go looking, thinking that this was a traveler. It wasn't a traveler. Right. They don't know how, it, they don't know how or why it got where it got and it didn't um, make any sense.
1: I, I, I think it was within the last five years or so, uh, there was a study came out of Ottawa and what they did is at the beginning of, um, of a shift, they would do. I I don't remember if it was urine samples or blood work, but on the firefighters. Um, and then if, if they ran a fire during that shift, they would do it again. And what they were finding, if I remember correctly, is up to three and a half times the levels of polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons in their blood um, oh. or in their systems, you know? And and that, that's a group one carcinogen. It, it's the worst of the worst that you can get, you know? So it, we are without a doubt being exposed to a lot of bad stuff every time we run a fire. And it doesn't matter if it's a car fire or a dumpster fire or a structure fire or food on the stove you know, with all structure fires, including wildland, um, there are car- known carcinogens that we're being exposed to. So we, we as a fire service, as firefighters need to be doing everything we can to reduce our exposures. You know, if you talk to the hardcore
0: scientists about smoking meat, <laughs> and I love a good barbecue. Yeah. But yeah. in all seriousness, if you if you talk to some of those folks, they're not real happy, right? They're not happy that we're using, even if it's, it's, I'm not talking about treated wood. I'm not talking about tarred wood. I'm talking about cutting down some oak and, and, and cooking with it, but indirect heating and smoking it. They're not happy. Yeah. Besides the fact that there's particulate over the top of it, even if you can get past that, they're not happy with the, the fact that when they analyze that smoke, it's it's not a good thing. The other thing I wanted to go back to before I forget is the food on the stove. Yeah. Does anybody use metal, real metal uh, spoons and spatulas anymore? No. Nope. Because they're using non-skip, non-skip, non-stick. By the way, which doesn't isn't real good for you when it gets heated up. Right. At the high temperatures, that's a yep. whole nother teplon that's a whole nother idea but so you take that and then you take these these solid hydrocarbon spatulas because that's all it is yeah it's the same idea it's the same idea as fake furniture it's the same idea as all these other things they take a hydrocarbon they fiddle with it and then they turn it and squirt it into any mold you want and then they sell it at the dollar store
1: yeah yeah firefighters need to change their mindset and and stop thinking of a house fire as, as just a house fire or uh, or or just a building fire because we don't know what's in that building when when it catches on fire and we we need to really think of it as a hazmat you know because you don't know exactly what you're being exposed to
0: no I, I, matter of fact that's why we have we blended a couple of hazmat law hazmat OSHA laws into the fire service for other reasons But again, it's 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 the same thing. One of the one of the things that again, I I think you guys put on the program. I'm not 100 percent sure. But one of the things that I profess all the time and and we kind of get it, but we kind of don't is when you're when you're done squirting water, everything in the room is cold and wet. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Nothing smoking, nothing steaming, cold and wet. You should be able not that I would tell you to take your glove off. But theoretically, you should be able to, whatever's left there, right? You should be able to put your hand on top of it and be cold and wet, nothing coming off. And then they said, go outside, give it a few minutes, see if anything starts. And then they said, put the fan on for 20 minutes. While you're doing that, you can go get clean. And then when the investigators come in, the bare minimum they should be wearing They should be in a a Saranax Tyvek suit and they should be on an air purifying respirator with gloves, even, and that's after, and again, you're still running meters, but that's after cold and wet. So there's nothing coming off of that and, 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 and blowing. And, and the, the, the arson investigators tell us, uh, and I think it was Jason that said this is when they bring the high tech meters in, five days after the fire or three days after the fire, uh, they've literally been out of the building. There's the nothing there. The, the readings in the high tech meters are still up.
1: Sure. And, and, and that brings up a great point because uh, again, I think some in the fire service are still under the, the mindset maybe that, you know, if, if we get a clean reading on our meters that we're good, but nobody can tell us exactly how long those products of combustion are going to continue to off gas. You know, it might be hours. It might be days. We just don't know. And, and I think it's probably fair to say that every situation is different. No, absolutely. It, 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 it's
0: a, it's a different brew. It's yeah. a different. It's a different stew of toxicity. Every every single there is no you know, this routine. Somebody mentioned it this morning about the routine house fire. I don't know if I've ever been to a routine house fire. Right. I've been to a similar house fire. I've been this houses that were kind of the same, but I don't know. If, I've never had an exactly the same house fire. It's not like a burner on a stove where you put it to 350 or you put it on high and the flame is this high and it's consistent every time because it's been set by a technician. That's not our role. So it's the same thing here. It's it it could be it could be the the sprays, the disinfectant sprays, it could be that have that are blevied, it could be the perfume that's blevied, it could be all this is just never mind the, the the glue and all the stuff that hold that holds these fake walls and fake trusses together
1: yep that all,
0: all of which if you had that when that product is being made at the refinery everybody's in an apr right or but or better yep right everybody's wearing respiratory protection when that whatever it is is being made right now I'm talking about the, not, not when they're sticking the chips of wood that are going to catch fire from the glue that's going to catch fire, not talking about that, but when they're making the glue, that's that, that everything in there is explosion proof and everybody's wearing some kind of protection if they're in that space, because it's toxic, right? Right. So what, what makes us think that, well, if we reheat it, <laughs> right. That it's not going to continue to off
1: gas. Exactly.
0: Never mind you know, we can go down the whole litany of carpets and curtains and right but nobody wants to live in a, <laughs> a concrete house it's just not it's not gonna fly
1: no no
0: can't <laughs> do that <laughs> um so let's talk about um so let's talk about uh some of the some of the pre- prevention tactics that sure. we should be looking at
1: uh yeah and and like i think i mentioned that one of the the biggest one is modifiable risk factors, and, and those are things that we have control over. Um, and, and like I said, you know, your diet, making sure that that you're eating a a balanced diet. I had to bring the food uh, back up, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, but you know, the other things are uh, your sleep, making sure you're getting enough sleep. We know you can't control it on duty, but when you're off duty, you certainly can to a great degree. Um, some of the other thing, you know, when you're when you're outside, wear sunscreen. Mm-hmm. Because what we're finding is a lot lot more firefighters are are developing melanomas, you know, or skin cancer. So, and and how hard is it to put on some some uh, uh, lotion when you go outside to protect yourself? It it it's cheap and it's easy. Uh, you know, the it's other so- thing. For some of us southern
0: Europeans, we never <laughs> had to worry about that. But I can tell you as you get older, you may need to get some of that going. I'll just stop right
1: there. Right, right. Um, you know, and and I I think I sound like I'm harping on this whole food thing, but alcohol. You know, in, until I joined this organization, I never really realized that alcohol is a contributing factor to cancer. Um, and and a lot of people don't like to hear this, but the, the recommendations, uh, for females is no more than one drink a day. And for males, no more than two. And you know, the, the thing that we always hear when we're teaching, the teaching this in classes, uh, so you're saying, if I don't drink anything from Monday through Friday <laughs> and like, no, that's not how it works. That's <laughs> not how it works. Yeah. No toxic levels. Yeah. So just the, the things that we can control are things that we need to take advantage of to reduce our chances. Um, Is there do you have
0: so we know obviously uh to, to take a little bit of a left- hand turn down the down the medical side mm-hmm. right so we're obviously looking at colonoscopies right. right right on a regular basis we're looking at uh good blood work not just a real quick CBC right we're looking at kind of you know, Heading on a couple of potential issues there. Yep. Um, what what other are there other uh, you know radiography or X rays or um, fun, well the function, the flow test right respiratory right t- pulmonary t- function
1: t- test t- yep right yep. that's going to help. Um, you, you know what we it, like them or not NFPA came out with a great document uh, 1582 I believe it is. and that that's what tells us the some of the tests that we should be getting screened for um and you're right that the colonoscopies at age 40 uh they actually lowered it by five years um, for firefighters uh get if you're a male having your PSA test done you know absolutely getting the the, uh, pulmonary function making sure you're getting pulmonary function tests and complete lab work each year Um, people can go to our website and there is a What we think is a great document from Dr. Michael Hamrock uh, from Boston Fire Department. He's our occupational uh, physician. And he developed a document that firefighters can take to their personal physicians that explains what tests they should be getting, why they should be getting them, and that, you know, the reason, really, the overall reason for this is because of the job they do. and again, that's whether you're a volunteer or a career, it doesn't matter, you're still being exposed to the same things. You know, so you take this to your doctor and it explains the increased risk that you're at because of what you do and talks about some of the tests that that should be done, you know, chest x rays. Um, and, and he's got a whole list of them that if you go to our, our website, again, it's it's easy to find it in our resources.
0: I think, I think the chief's name was Flynn, right? The chief from Boston.
1: Uh, the commissioner was, yeah, Joe right? Flynn. Yep. I gotta tell you,
0: you want to talk about stepping up and and grabbing the bull by the horns? Oh yes. my god! He, Absolutely. I I was on a panel with him. I'm not I, I shouldn't say I was on a panel with him. I was at a uh, an event where he was uh, the speaker, but he was very open to questions and whatnot. Yeah. And and we had a great conversation and uh they really they really said enough is enough and we're gonna go we're gonna go full bore the stuff they put out the psa they put out just great yes um they they really really dug in deep and they sold the city on getting the stuff they needed to get and making yes. the changes they needed to make
1: it, it, they they went as far as to change some of their tactics um if if i remember correctly when they would approach a dumpster fire or a car fire they they weren't taking a hand line to it you know the, they were hitting it with a deck gun especially especially a dumpster fire nice because you know what are you what are we going to save in a dumpster right it's it's already trash. we've determined that <laughs> yeah. um it, so there's there's no sense in putting ourselves at greater risk when we don't have to you know so no, absolutely. Yeah, commissioner finn has been a uh a great advocate for firefighters especially where it comes to cancer awareness and prevention and he's been a great great friend to our our organization
0: they did just a tremendous amount of just a tremendous amount of work and it was right. all and to listen to him speak it was impassioned yes he he had friends die he yeah. had friends and he watched we have a lot of firefighters that die of a of, of heart, of uh, having a heart attack mm-hmm. And obviously it's very sad and it's upsetting and heartbreaking uh and i'm not trying to lessen the blow but it was instantaneous and that's what makes it a shock uh watching someone uh, again i'll go back to that sergeant watching someone that was probably 235 and rugged as a bull when he got sick and when they when they buried him they said it was like carrying an empty box. He yeah, might he might have weighed a hundred pounds.
1: Right, it, it's heartbreaking to see.
0: You know, it, I, you don't want to
1: live that. Yep. Um, and, and again, this is why, you know, we, we we have to get it through folks in the fire service's mind. Like, Again, they have to ask themselves, what's it worth to them? You know, to to make these changes. And most of the changes are are free. And they're easy. You know, and the ones that do cost a lot of money, nobody, nobody expects you to change the design of your fire station overnight. You know, uh, I, I think everybody is rational enough and realizes that that's probably not going to happen to a large degree until you do a renovation or, or rebuild, um, and, and those cost a lot of money to do, you know, but those are the, really the exceptions. It's, it's the easy things like, you know what, how, how much is it going to cost a department to put uh, a bottle of sunscreen on each unit? So when the guys go out, guys and girls go out, if, if it's going to be a long duration incident where they're outside, they have the ability to put that on. Um, or to you know, go out and get, get some wipes and put them on each unit and, and make them a part of, as soon as the folks come out, and get that gear off. They wipe wipe their face, neck, hands down. You know, if you, if we think about it, I, I think as a as a the fire service as a whole, we have gotten better about doing uh, personal decontamination when we come out of a out of an incident. You know, some are better than others, but but we are as a fire service getting better. Uh, it, one area that we see we continue to fall short um, is. Do people wash their hands when they get to the canteen before they eat? Right. You know, and and it's, it's something that probably most of us don't think about. But again, that's, that's a simple tool that even if the canteen had, uh, wipes for your hands, you know, how long does it take to wipe your hands off before you, before you grab that candy bar or a cup of coffee or whatever it is.
0: If you're going to have a case of water on the engine, put a box of wipes.
1: Exactly. Yep.
0: I'll tell you the other, uh, the other thing is the federal government or the fire act will give you the exhaust equipment for your firehouse. So if if it's physically possible to get that put on and put in. That's a, that's a no brainer Yeah, For, for fire act. I I've never, ever, ever heard anybody. And again, I don't, I don't read all of them, but I've never heard of anyone being denied that. It's like putting sprinklers in a fire alarm system if you have people sleeping there. Sure. It's, it's, it's a no brainer. And Again, I've never, the only time I've ever heard of the fire alarm being denied is if you, it was a a station that did not have people staying there. Sure. And they even tried, they even wiggled it, well, you know, during storms and blah, 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 blah. civil unrest or whatever they try to say listen we do have people that sleep here sometimes but just not all the time but yeah. but for again if you if you have people staying in the building or even not uh getting an exhaust system that meets their standard is 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 not a far reach for that
1: and, and another thing that uh i i can tell you i would like to see departments try for the ones that don't have two sets of gear, you know yeah. it that that is not a cheap expense. And, and I think everybody realizes that. But again, the those FEMA grants that are out there, um, the fire prevention and safety grants, the fire, it, apply for it through that, you know, and, and I somebody would have to tell me better, but you have a very small cost share typically. To be able to outfit your it's home department, yeah, it's usually yeah. like ten percent, five or ten, yeah. depending
0: on what the what the amount is and what you're trying to do. Right. John right. Rose, John Rose, are you getting that written down, buddy? <laughs> well, because this is again, there's a there's a piece of legislation. My understanding is coming up or in discussion on on our hill,
1: and uh,
0: again, one of the things that a lot of departments struggle. To do is to have a clean set or have the ability to clean the set fast enough to get someone into it usually the clean set i mean the the uh, backup set is the gear that we've successfully you know fought to to replace because of the technology and the condition of that gear so the good news is you have a clean set of gear the bad news is we took the gear out of service because the technology was such that it was too hot, too heavy, too whatever, you know, it's not the best thing Would I wear it. Absolutely. Cause it's better than wearing this, this gear that we got to get cleaned.
1: Right. You know, um, I think, uh, I, I think one of the ways that departments can approach maybe the second set of gear or the, the diesel exhaust capture systems is if, if you ask your, your municipality or whoever's paying for it, um, how much is this system going to cost you compared to how much is a diagnosis of cancer for one or two or three of your firefighters going to cost you? Because I can guarantee you, if they don't catch it early, those cancer diagnoses are going to cost a whole lot more than it would have cost that Absolutely. municipality or department to proactively put in systems that will protect the firefighters.
0: And that's, good. that's
1: not even talking about the emotional side.
0: Right, right. Let's just talk about raw cost. Yep. Doubt. So we've been talking uh, for a little while on prevention. So let's let's swing the uh let's swing the pendulum here. So sure. um so I I go and get a test <clears throat> and it, it comes back and pick any malady you want. So but I'm gonna i I'm, I'm gonna call your phone number, right? Tell me what tell me where we go from there.
1: Sure. So uh first of all off, I would say uh to let everybody know, you can either call our 1-800 number or you can go right online to our website and you can let us know there. And it, it's very, very simple. When, when you call, we want basic information, um, your name, your phone number, your email, and essentially to say, I've received a cancer diagnosis. Um, what happens then is our wellness coordinator, who is the one who takes care of shipping our toolbox, uh, of coordinating the shipment of our toolboxes, uh, which I can speak to in a minute, and, uh, and assigning our mentors, which we've talked about a little bit. Uh, she's immediately notified as well as the state director for whatever state that person is requesting assistance from. So they both get, uh, get notified. And then our goal is that within 24 hours, we will reach back out to that person to make contact and discuss what's going on with them. Uh, like you mentioned, I believe at the beginning of the show, usually it's much quicker. Um, I, I would say that it's typically much less than 12 hours even that that person's gonna receive a call back. Um, every, every once in a while, they're gonna go, every once in a while, it turns out, you know we have trouble reaching them, whether it's a wrong email or whatever the case is, but typically it's it's done very quickly. Um, so the state director reaches out to them. They discuss what's going on a little bit more depth and detail. And the, then we have the ability to offer them two things. Um, and, and I would also preface all of this with everything that the firefighter cancer support network does is free. It's not going to cost the firefighter or their family member because we'll take, we will also help, uh, the immediate family members of any firefighter. So it doesn't cost you a thing to reach out to us.
0: And wow. it's and it's confidential.
1: And it is confidential, yes, without a doubt. But we'll the first thing we'll talk about with them is our toolbox. Uh and and it's it's a little hard to describe the exact dimensions, but it's uh it's bigger than a bread box, but smaller than a refrigerator, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh it and to give a, a little bit better description, maybe one of the things that is in that toolbox is hanging files. Um and and people might say They say, why why do you have that, you know? Well, unfortunately, what somebody who's been diagnosed with cancer finds out fairly quickly is they're gonna be receiving a lot of uh, insurance documents, uh, workers' comp documents that they need to file probably, Um, unfortunately, bills. You're gonna get lab reports, uh, correspondence with your physicians. And the idea behind the hanging files in this toolbox is you can put all of that in one place and if you have any questions about it you know immediately where you can go find all the information that you need for your battle Um, the other thing that's in in the toolbox that we're extremely proud of is what we call our firefighters guide to cancer survivorship and that is uh, about a 240 245 page essentially book um and it's designed to take the person battling cancer from their diagnosis all the way through remission. And the way it does that uh, is a few examples is like the first chapter is on questions that you may want to ask your physician. Um, I can tell you that when you hear you've got cancer, um, you, you kind of tune out for every everybody's different. But you know, you, you tune out for a while because all you've heard is I have cancer. And, and all those questions are going through your mind. Am I gonna live? How long am I gonna, you know? So you're probably not thinking the most clearly at that point. Um, but this, this first section is things you may wanna ask your physician like, um, are there other options other than the treatment plan you've laid out for me, you know? Uh, or should I get a second opinion? And, and I can tell you one of the things, at least with the network, we recommend everybody get a second opinion uh because if nothing else it'll validate what your your physician has told you initially um and and in some cases you'll get a differing opinion in which case i would i would recommend people go and get a third opinion because you want to be able to have all of the information that you need to make wise informed decisions about your treatment uh so that that's kind of the first section the the next one is or or throughout the book, there's a section on the Family Medical Leave Act to to educate folks to what they are uh, entitled to. Uh, We have a section on cancer presumption laws. You know, you talked about this a little bit, and I can tell you that there are no two cancer presumption laws Mm. that are alike across the country. Every single one is different. Now the the section in our book that discusses it, um, it does it in generalized terms. So people understand you know that there are cancer presumption laws and that they need to check into what's available in their state typically our state directors can give them a little bit more information on the type of cancers that are covered and the particulars to their state you know what what may be available to them um the the last section in the book is it it's a it's a glossary really and we got it from our friends at the american cancer society um one of the things again that the firefighters or their family members quickly find out is they're going to hear a lot of terms that are very foreign to them, uh, and this this glossary is a great place to be able to reference what's being talked about and and help you understand what they're saying. Um, so it it's a great resource, and it, the book goes and is as crazy as it sounds. Um, there's actually a section on you know because people will ask. Can I have sex during cancer? And, and you know, you kind of, yeah, you laugh at it initially, but that's a that's a real concern for folks, you yeah. know. So we talk about that, um, and, and for everybody who's wondering, it's really it, it's up to you. <laughs> you know, there's. Oh, well, I think
0: I think there's going to be so many things that get disrupted.
1: There are, yes. That
0: there may be some things that are just a little bit normal yeah right that will just kind of bring you back to bring you back to where you used to be right before you got knocked in the head and yep. and so it might just be that little piece of normalcy Yep,
1: you're, you're exactly right and, and that's that what will happen yeah that we try to help people maintain some degree of normalcy um, because it is, it's a, it's a life altering experience, hopefully with a positive outcome, but for that period of time that you're battling, um, it, it, it's uncomfortable for everybody, you know, that's involved with it. So, so there's that, the firefighters guide to cancer survivorship. And throughout, throughout it all, we've, uh, we have, uh, portions where firefighters who have battled cancer and beat it offer words of encouragement. Um, so it's it's we we hear a lot how valuable it is to the folks that, that receive it, and then also in the toolbox there's other knickknacks there's a a, a notepad because people are going to need to get, you know they'll be taking a lot of notes you know one thing we recommend for folks is when you do go to doctor's appointments take somebody with you absolutely because again I was just
0: going to I was just going to mention that yeah most of the time the limited experience I'm a people watcher. Mm-hmm. I can tell when i'm at the doctor's office who's in the fight and who's there for a checkup Yep. and one of the, the most important parts is those folks that are and it only gets more important as time goes on from treatment is there needs to be an advocate a note taker a yep. person that can talk the lingo right that is so important that can can ask because if 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 a person is not medically minded or into it early on as as they get worn down they're not going to be as as, as acute and as on top of it and that's where that advocate that helper the spouse the support network whatever you want to call it and it doesn't have to be well tell me if i'm over speaking but it doesn't have to be a spouse No. In fact, the spouse may not be the right person to do that. It might be a buddy or a cousin or a sister or whatever.
1: Right. right. Yep. And and the other thing with that that notebook that's included in there is we encourage people um, write down questions before you go to the physician's office, because once you're there, um, a lot of times you're not thinking clearly because you're listening to what they're saying and you may forget the questions that you wanted to ask. Um, A lot of times you think about those questions when you're not at the doctor's office. So, right. you know, write them down and and you can do it there. Uh, or you can you can ask them. But uh, there's a, a business card holder in there. So that there's other knickknacks, if you will, from the from the uh, network. So we'll offer them that uh, the majority, the vast majority say yes, but they they would like the toolbox. And historically, what we find is a lot of cancer survivors keep that toolbox. Um, we've heard people say they keep it in their pickup truck, uh, because (laughs) you know, that, that that's just where they, they have easy access to it or they keep it in their office at home. Um, but it's, it's a continual reminder of the battle that they fought and and hopefully in a, you know, positive manner. Do they keep a journal? Um, there is a place in the, in the, uh, firefighters got cancer survivorship for journaling. Yes. So uh, it's, it's, it's a, I think it is a well, uh, well thought out document that uh, we're, we update probably every two years or so. So it's, it's really pretty cool. I um, mean, I've heard,
0: I've heard uh-huh. from people that have received them. They're, pre- they're precious. Yes. They're, yeah. they, they ain't getting thrown out when they move. No. <laughs> nope. Nope. That's, it's, that's uh, their victory. That's their, you know, and then a lot of times after they, maybe they pass from natural causes, the kids will find these boxes and they'll never know. They, they, they'll read these and they'll know that the struggle was going on, but they won't know the depth and they won't know the, the strength of that.
1: Yep. You're, you're absolutely right. So, uh, the, the second thing that we offer uh, somebody who's battling cancer is what we call badge to badge support or mentorship. Um, we have about 200 plus mentors in the network uh varying types of cancer and what will what'll happen is uh say a firefighter has been diagnosed with prostate cancer um we explain to them what a mentor is and in in the terms that we taught try to use is it's really somebody who's there to listen to you um they are there to offer support and most importantly it gives the person battling someone to talk to who's already, they've already fought the fight, you know, and, and, and they were successful. Um, so the, the cool thing about it is they have somebody who they can ask questions to about, Hey, this is what's going on with me. Did you experience anything like that? Um, you know, I I've, I've got some, a rash that's appeared where I'm getting radiation. Uh, have, have you ever had that? And, you know, probably what they're going to say is, yeah, that's, that's actually sunburn. <laughs> um, and, you know, the next time you're at your oncologist or the radiation oncologist office, make sure you tell them about it because they can give you uh cream that will ease that, that discomfort. So it, it's nice to have somebody to talk to who's already walked the walk, you know? Um, oh, absolutely. It, yeah. It's just amazing. And again, with what we, See a lot of the time is the the relationship that these two people form, is it lasts for years and years and years because they have a common bond, um, and, and 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 it's a shared experience. It's an unfortunate one, but but it is a shared experience that they can both relate to. Um, and it the what I I think I forgot to mention is so if you're diagnosed with prostate cancer, what we try to do. Is pair you up with another firefighter who has beaten prostate cancer, um, or they've beaten you know, they've beaten the cancer that you're fighting. Now we're we're not always successful in that because unfortunately sometimes we do find um, somebody gets a rare cancer that that we just don't have somebody who's who's experienced. Um, and in that case, what we'll do is try and pair them up with somebody who's had a similar type, so that they can at least relate to to what's going on um, in. In my opinion, it's, it doesn't even matter that they've had the same cancer. It's the fact that they've had cancer and they understand the fears that you're going through and all of the emotions that are wrapped up with that. You know, so, sometimes the mentors, all they do is listen. Um, and, and that's that's a skill uh, to be able to do that, to, to listen to what's going on and, and hear what they're saying and understand it and be able to, to respond in an appropriate manner, you know, with empathy and sympathy. And just to to say, hey, you know, I get it. I, I know what you're going through. So it, it's a great program. Um, unfo- well, fortunately, <laughs> we we have plenty of mentors, but we're always looking for more uh, if anybody was willing to share their experiences with with another firefighter, so.
0: It was interesting last year we were at the comedy show and uh you guys had made a trip into uh I think it was here in Indy it was and, right and you guys went and visited yep. one of the brothers from Indy who was in uh in the middle of uh in the middle of some treatments and it just it just really brought home that whatever it takes yep. we're going to we're going to do what we can do
1: yeah it's uh as i think i said we're actually very honored to be able to to support and help firefighters who are battling cancer you know it's 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 an unfortunate experience and we're happy that we're in a position to be able to hopefully make that experience a little bit easier for them so
0: it's it's a it's it is it's just amazing work um and it's it's not easy (laughs) we're as a general rule we're fixers right that's right that's how we're wired. We're wired to fix people uh, or fix situations. I shouldn't say people. So it it does take a special person to be able to just sit and absorb. Now, unfortunately, or fortunately, those folks that are your mentors have been there, right. have climbed that rock, has have walked that road, or all those other acronyms or uh, examples, um and they know how important them being able to talk to somebody or wishing they had somebody to talk to them. and that is God's work I try not to get too religious here sure on this show but to be able to just let someone dump their bucket and then hopefully there might be a couple of little nuggets there of things where you've been there, you've done that, right. and then you can give them a little, a little buffer, a little satisfaction, or a little, you know, this is going to happen. And and if that happened, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but you should be ready. Yep. Uh, and and again, the folks, uh, I usually work on the other at the end of these trial these trips. And the the the, the folks uh, from hospice and the folks from the different uh, facilities we've worked with, um, it is amazing. They know exactly where those folks are on their trip.
1: They do. Yep.
0: They, they have a book that they shared with they share with the families, and it says it's like it's almost like a checklist. If this is happening and this is happening, this is, this is your time frame, yeah. and it's scary. Uh, but scary, but also joyous. In that you can do what you got to do, right? And and right. Make, get kids in, or fly people in, or do whatever you need to do to do that. Um, but when when you can, in, in my opinion, in my view, uh, when someone's in the fight, you can tell they're in the fight. Yes, They're, they just have a different view on the world. They have a different view on on the regular parts of life that right. frankly they don't care about anymore because it's not that's not my problem right now. My problem is this right here, and I'm almost myopic on this is what we need to do because this is what my doctors told me to do, and that's where my focus is right now. You take care of all the kids and the aunts and the school and all those other things my job is to do what my doctor tells me
1: right right and that's uh you you kind of bring up a good point there's something that as firefighters um we're used to like you said being the fixers uh we are not used to asking for help and it's Mm. it's very uncomfortable when you're in that position that you need to say hey I, i i need help um you know, could you mow my grass or, hmm. you know, I, I was yeah. in the middle of painting the house when I was diagnosed, you know, can, can you help me, can you help, or can you finish the paint job? Um, and, and I, I promise you that if, if you ask
0: oh. in a heartbeat,
1: it, it, it'll be done in a heartbeat. And, yeah. And that's just one of the, the beautiful things about the fire service and, and the brother and sisterhood that we have, um, you know, we, we may not always get along. But when it comes down to it, we will take care of each other. And it,
0: and and I've seen people who who literally couldn't couldn't stand other people when those other people got sick and they needed. Hey, we're going over to Bob's house to. Like I said, he's got this tree. His wife's worried about it. It's really bothering her, and he's got no time. He, never mind being able to physically do it. But he's got. He's he's again. He's he's in the fight. Right, there will be twenty guys there. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Without they a won't doubt, even, they won't even—they won't—they'll just rip it apart. They won't even use sauce. Yep. They'll just—they'll just take it apart, and they'll—and they'll do whatever needs to be done. That's the one of the tremendous things that is in our business. Yep, it is, and and matter of fact, we'll do we'll do stuff with people we don't even know, right? Yeah. Some brother, some brother, we find out that some guys got to go to Yale for chemo. And there, the the guys in that firehouse can't do it that day, or there's something going on, or something's happened, and it's kind of like we're, we're kind of scrambling here. There's guys that'll that don't even know this dude. They'll pack him up in his car, they'll shoot him down there, hang yep, out, yep. wait, and bring him back, or they'll make arrangements to for someone else to get him back, or watch their kids. It's you know that we shouldn't forget that our spouses are tight. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's as as tight as we are at a firehouse. I've seen pissed off wives because at funerals the, the the guys at the time, the guys all got to stand up close to to the casket and the and the, and the wives were treated like like right. everybody else. Where and a couple of wives decided to take care of it and they they went up because they wanted to be by that guy's wife. Right. To be there for for her, yeah. It, you know, it, it, so there's a whole there's a whole group of support that we don't think about. They're just as tight. They're, they are. They um, they care just
1: as much. And, and it, it's it's good you mentioned the spouses because that that is another uh, service, if you will, that we offer as far as the mentors, uh, because a lot of the time, everybody focuses on the firefighter that's battling cancer. Um, when what we need to really remember is it's not only that firefighter who's battling cancer, it's his family. Absolutely. Uh, and although the firefighter's experiencing the physical part of it, uh, the family is experiencing the, the mental part and having to care for that firefighter. But we, we are fortunate that we are able to offer um, spouse or partner mentors if, if they are requested. You know, and it's somebody who can, one spouse to another, can talk to them about, hey, I understand what you're going through, um, and and you know these are the things that helped me when I was, I was caring for my, for my firefighter. Uh, so it it it's it's nice to be able to take care of both sides, of the family.
0: One of the most important jobs at the at the Fallen Firefighters Memorial is their survivors. Yes. And and uh so what we do or they do is we not only break up the survivors uh, so we take them the the kids they're sent one way we take the moms or or wives whatever they're going down but then they're broken up by age and by relationship are they the grandmother are they the wife are they the mother you know whatever Mm -hmm. maybe what's their ages because uh, we have, you know, we have folks that are, we have guys that are still stretching booster lines at 76 years old. to 45 right. But having said that, so we we may have so we we don't we can't put an 18 year old wife and a 30 year old wife and a 60 year old wife and so they have it all. But that group, that survivors group, just yeah, I've been there. Yep, right. I remember. See, did this happen? Oh yeah, that happened. Yeah, but you know what? This is how we dealt with it. And that ability to to answer those questions is just a it, yes. again, it's just a home run. I, you, it, I, listen, it, you know they, they always say it takes a village to raise a family. Well, you know what? We got a pretty big village.
1: We do, fortunately, we absolutely do.
0: Yep. A pretty big department that'll do anything,
1: right? So,
0: whew, what a night. <laughs> <laughs> I going to keep telling, try to crack myself up because if not, I'd be crying. I, so, uh, as Joe, is there? I I think we've done a. I'm very proud of this show. Uh, uh, is there anything? Is there anything else we haven't covered that you think is important?
1: Um, you know, I don't think so. The the one thing that I I guess I just want to stress to the audience is, is: if you know somebody who's diagnosed, please reach out to us. Um, we're here to help. You know. And as you mentioned, you can you can go to our website, which is uh, firefightercancersupport.org. It's easy, um, or you can call our our one eight hundred number. You know, but but there's we don't want anybody to have to fight fight alone. Um, so we're we're here for that. And please reach out to us if if you do do know somebody who's been diagnosed.
0: And we do have you do have uh, state. Would you say presidents or state directors, state state directors in every state?
1: Well, we have them in 44 states right now. Okay. But if your state is one that does not have one, we've got a job for you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, possibly, but, um, we will still take care of you. Just reach out to us, uh, because what will happen is when they make that request for assistance, instead of the state director getting it, it's our wellness coordinator. Who who will be the one who gets it, and what she'll typically do is ask one of the neighboring state's directors to to handle it. Um, And and we we don't say no to anybody. So and and it's it's not something we advertise certainly, but uh, we've had police officers that we've taken care of because they've heard about our organization and reached out to us.
0: Public safety, man. Yeah. Public safety.
1: Yep.
0: Well, uh Joe, just thank you uh, yeah. so much. Um so I I you might have noticed that I am not wearing my black JLN associate's shirt. Uh instead, I am wearing, I'm gonna have to stand up here a little bit, I am wearing my the shirt that I'm not wearing tomorrow, <laughs> but uh a whole lot of people gonna run a 5k tomorrow in memory of folks that have that have either had cancer or have passed from cancer right um, we've already got the roads are already shut down here uh it's, it's a very exciting event tomorrow night um I will not be running in that <laughs> <laughs> for obvious reasons um but it was the least I could do to buy a shirt
1: yeah and we appreciate support
0: to try to support the group in some way yeah uh, they have helped close friends they do a hell of a job these guys are all volunteers nobody's pulling any money here right uh, for those that are interested uh I, I forgot his name already what's the dude from new york uh tony cruz so tony cruz yep will probably more than likely i'm pretty certain <laughs> will be at both the new england show and at the New York Chief show.
1: He absolutely will be.
0: And uh again, if you need the posters, no gear beyond this point, if you want the books, the studies, the papers, all of that stuff. It's all here and it's all free. Right. And in and they're not stingy. <laughs> right? If you want I mean, I wouldn't take 3 inches of posters. But again, if you need couple two three you got a lot of doors to get into the to the areas in the in the firehouse where we don't want gear and by the way we don't bring our gear up to our bed anymore that doesn't happen anymore right okay so all those things all that all those resources the stickers all that stuff is all free and again he will be at the new england show in the new york show that's where i usually get where i used to get my stuff um and he'll be there with his and he'll have a crew with him Yep. And they're all survivors.
1: And, and all you have to do is ask.
0: Just walk up and, and they 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 like talking to people. They're kind. <laughs> um and they'll take good care of you. And yep. uh so I'm I'm just really thankful uh for the network, for the stuff you do, and 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 Joe, you did a great job. Well, I'm gonna have to you. tell your wife tomorrow you did a good job.
1: <laughs> yeah, we uh like I said, we're we're honored to be in this position to be able to help. Hope the brothers and sisters in the fire Service. Very, very good.
0: All right, so let's open it up. Uh, Alan, you got anything? Or John Rosa, do you have anything? Dave, any questions for Joe before I move on to upcoming events? I don't see anything in the, nothing in the chat. And no questions from the peanut gallery. All right, then, uh, Joe, if you don't mind hanging around for a couple of seconds here. Absolutely. As I get my composure back, <clears> throat> a dry throat, you know, the air conditioning in here is dry. <laughs> All right, so let's talk uh, upcoming guests. Uh, Billy G, I talked to him today. Uh, we're working on a, a date for May for him. Uh, some other folks that we got coming, the, the one and only Rick Lasky, Pride in Ownership, might have heard about that. That uh, was a book. That went pretty well, uh, uh, Rick. Um, oh, we do have a question from Alan. Let me interrupt that. Does it matter if one goes to a specific cancer hospital? Oh, I want to wait too fast. Hold on, hang on. Um, does it does it matter if one goes to a specific cancer hospital versus a general hospital for cancer care? That's a great question, Alan. It,
1: it is. And, and what I would say is um, This is probably going to not might not sound right, but if you have one of the more common cancers, um, then, then no, it's probably, it's probably fine to go to, as you say, a general hospital. Um, however, if you have one of the more rare cancers, uh, what I would encourage people to do is seek out, um, national cancer, National Cancer Institute facilities. Uh, those are, those are the big boys when it comes to, to cancer research and treatment. Uh, they're the ones who are dealing with all the latest and greatest uh, science and technology and ways to treat cancer. So it, it, it is kind of dependent on the type of cancer that you've been diagnosed with, uh, whether, whether you see somebody in your hometown or local area, or you may have to travel to, uh, to a, a greater distance to another facility. The the one thing to know about that too though is that there are resources out there that will help firefighters as far as travel expenses um, and and lodging and that type of stuff that you can you can seek out. Um, the American Cancer Society has has some facilities that they they run as far as housing. Uh, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society they. They do another great resource to to look at um, if you're unfortunately receive a diagnosis is something called Patient Resource, um, and it's a website patientresource.com. Patient but they have a lot of uh, publications on specific cancers that if you're diagnosed, you could I'm, I would imagine find your cancer um, and get information on it that will not only educate you but they also have the A resource directory. Um, If you say, you know, I I need help with insurance or I need help with travel, um, they can point you in the direction to get those resources to you.
0: The the other thing that's, uh, I have two things popping in my head. First one is a good friend of mine, Scott DeWolf. Um, He ended up, I didn't want to talk about his cancer because it was the most bizarre, scariest thing, but So he went to the, we are very lucky in Southeastern Connecticut, we have actually a really good program. Uh, It's affiliated with Yale, but they really, uh, and I I apologize, I can't remember the name of it, but they really do a good job. But he, he went that, so he went to one of the big boys, and they uh, took a ride up there, they did a full workup, and they said, we're not going to do anything different. So you can spend all those hours in the car coming up here. We're going to give you the exact same cocktail, the exact same drugs. And and we can't promise you anything more than they're promising you. So they were very open about that. And so, so again, rather than three hours and, and doing all that stuff, you know, he just he just stayed home. The second thing that's interesting is that I think it's, and I don't want to defame somebody, but I don't think Sloan Catering takes insurance. I'm not 100%. That's one of the biggies in, up in and in, down in New York. Right. I think there are some places that don't do insurance, so you just have to take a look at all those things, you know, and then take a look at does it matter? I right. mean, you know, is 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 if this is the place where the where the genie works, is that where we gonna we're gonna go? If that if they're the ones doing the cutting edge on that stuff, my father had a uh, liver tumor and uh we <laughs> went to a surgeon in at mount sinai in new york this guy had fingers this long <laughs> so he was he, he was he was the surgeon to our entire through our entire meeting with him all he did was flex his finger muscles to get ready for a surgery he had in an hour yeah anyway uh you know again is what's possible in my father's case we we played hopscotch we went to local hospital went to yale and then went to mount sinai and then got the news we didn't want to hear and drove back drove back home right um so again it depends on what you know what finances and what all those other things are also unfortunately that may need to play in however the brothers and sisters will do some amazing stuff they'll do some amazing stuff to raise money to, for sure to take care, of, if if nothing else, they'll take care of your family because you're not making overtime, you're not working, you're not sick time or whatever. Um and again, that's all part of the brother and sisterhood that we have. Great just Alan, great question. All right, where I was okay? So uh uh back to <laughs> it's a great show. Back to um where I was Rick Lasky, Pride and Ownership. Uh, Lenny Gersa, some of you guys knew him. You know him. He used to work at the Department of Public Health. Uh, Lenny was on a ventilator for a very, very long time uh, down at Yale for COVID. Uh, there were several times that they didn't think he was going to pull through. He has pulled through. Um, as Lenny likes to say, Yale saved his life. And then the people up in Wallingford uh, gave it gave it back to him um so he'll be telling us his story um and 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 this is a guy that had to learn how to walk and talk and eat again um and he's back and uh he's he's not as back as far as he'd like to be because he'd like to be running as a paramedic again but we're they're working on that so uh that's it for tonight folks thank you so much for coming again thank you everyone have a great night
1: Thanks, everybody.